0: So as Miriam's already said, today is Palm uh, Sunday, the Sunday before um, Easter, and uh, as has already been said, as as the church globally builds up to the triumph of Easter Day, G2 scatters abroad, Uh, everyone goes home to see Granny and their mum to get a decent roast on Easter Day, Uh, the faithful few remain in York. Um, and if you want to come to a church service on Sunday, do go to your local church service where you live or come to St. Mike's in the morning. They've got one, I think, at 6.30am with breakfast uh, following, so the, bre- you know, the breakfast conference, conference space for the uh, turning up. And then there's uh, one at 10.30, a much more sociable um, hour. You've been very welcome to come and join us at those. Uh, I, I love this part of the Christian calendar and... Uh, I've made sure that next week I'm working in York all week because I will be sneaking into either St Wilfred's, the Catholic Church in the centre of York, or York Minster for some of their little snippets of things that they do through that week between this Sunday and Easter. So the, the week is normally called Holy Week. And Holy Week is, is, in a way, a bit of a drama or a theatre, the telling of, of the, uh, the end part of the life of Jesus. And. Um, Many years ago, when I lived in Coventry, I got to take part in a Palm Sunday um, procession. Um, You may have been in ones that were brilliant, you may have been in ones that were a bit awkward or whatever. The one I went on was absolutely brilliant. It was in the ruins of Coventry Coventry Cathedral. Uh, There was like a donkey and somebody was rising on it, and there were choirs doing Hosanna, and there were palms like this, and then giant palms as well that were laid down. And it was, it was altogether an amazing um, experience. And the thing that kind of caught my heart when I was part of that is um, I felt like there was such a difference between the reading of a story and the entering into a story. It's like I became a method actor in the story of Jesus... For church and and so, so sort of entered into the story and, and as, you, as you get going, you, you sort of mind slips a bit and, and you become part of the story you 're part of the triumphant crowd that 's welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, welcoming him into your life and um, so during this little bit of the Christian calendar, I go a bit Catholic I go that that kind of that kind of, the narrative of the story of Easter retold, we, we enter into it, not just in our minds, but in our, in our experience. We become part of the drama of the, of the life of Jesus, sometimes called the passion. The passion of Jesus, we sort of enter into it and it takes us to Easter day. Last week, Josh spoke to us on the beginning of this two-part series, which is uh, on life and death. And Jeff, uh, Josh looked at... Uh, death and the idea of taking up your cross daily, uh, and the idea that we part of following Jesus means that every day there is a like a, a tiny incremental decision to turn away from those things that might distract us from following Jesus, and to turn towards what it means to follow after Him. And today we're going to look at life, and I'm going to need a Bible caught without a Bible, that's That's awkward. Let me just find, if you want to find John chapter 10 with me, I'll race you. Shout when you find it. I win. I've been trained. I could do it in my sleep. We're on page 748 in the Bibles around your table and we're going to read the first few verses of John chapter 10. Jesus said, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again Verily, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. And find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the story goes on. So we're looking at this passage in John, John chapter 10, and the, the idea of life, and life is a theme in John's gospel. Uh, John uses the phrase, or the word, life, um, more than 40 times in his gospel. He's, he, he uses it more than a quarter of the rest of the whole New Testament, so more than a quarter of the references to life in the New Testament are given to us by John. This is a recurring theme in how he wants to explain Jesus to us. For example, uh, a very famous verse, John 3.16, So God God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, John wrote that and refers to life. John 14.6, another well-known verse, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the truth. And the life. So this word, or, or used as a phrase, sometimes "eternal life," "bread of life," "word of life," or Jesus talking about himself, saying, "I gave my life, I give my life, I lay down my life," is a theme of how John explains Jesus to us. And in the middle of John's Gospel, in John ten ten, we have this phrase: "I have come." that they may have life and have it to the full. Um, Another translation refers to it as this. I've come that you might have abundant life. In fact, I've got some friends who started a church and they just called it abundant life because they love that verse uh, so much. In fact, I looked up the word abundant in the dictionary because I thought it would be good to know what the word abundant means. And it turns out that what the word means is super abundant, which is pretty cool. Because it means we've had it watered down. Jesus said, I have come that you might have a super abundance of life. Wow, that's quite uh, an offering. Well, we're going to talk for a quick minute in our tables. But before we do that, we've got a short video that we're going to watch. I want to whiz through some of the ways in which Jesus uses this phrase life to grasp a hold of something of what he's trying to describe. Because clearly abundant life doesn't just mean God's going to give you unlimited supplies of iPads or any car you want, you know, or um, billions of your favourite currency. That, you know, we just kind of know that, that, that's not the abundance that he is being referred to there. Um, it's some kind of abundance to do with what God is giving um, through Jesus. John 4, when he writes about life, he says this, Whoever drinks the water that I give them will never first. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Um, John 5, he says this, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death into life. Uh, John 5, 39, he says this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These very scriptures testify to me, So the, the Bible points us to Jesus who has the eternal life. Um, in the same conversation, Jesus says uh, to the Pharisees, you refuse to come to me to have eternal life. So he's critical of them to not come to him for the life that he's offering. John 6, 33 says this, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to all who receive it. So Jesus is like the daily bread or the, the morning coffee or the daily staple that sustains us in knowing and experiencing him. Um, John 10, 11, as we just read, he said this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, John eleven twenty five, 25, here, Jesus says to somebody, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though... They die, and then three standout statements from John's Gospel that talk about this this life, this abundant life that Jesus gives. John fourteen six, he says, "This I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Uh, John twelve twenty five, just after that passage that was read to us about the the uh, entry into Jerusalem, the Palm Sunday entry, Jesus says, "This." Whoever loves their life will lose it and anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And then right at the end of John's Gospel as he's kind of wrapping up his story, summarising what he's had to say and the, the, the whole purpose of what he wrote. He says this, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that by believing you might have Life in his name. So life that Jesus is talking about, the the abundant life, the super abundant life that's being referred to is is those things referenced throughout John's Gospel. The experience of of encountering Jesus, the experience of of discovering Jesus in a daily way, the the, uh, revelation of, of God to us as we read the Bible and find out who Jesus is to him. Uh, to us, the the um, dependence upon God that as we as we recognise how we need Him and where we need Him, we draw on Jesus and the life that He gives to us, and and ultimately the sum of all His words, leading us to be wholehearted believers and followers in Jesus. And if we follow that passage that we read through John chapter ten, it kind of takes us on a journey of discovery. Uh, First of all, Jesus reveals himself as the one who is giving the life that is to be received. Uh, He contrasts himself with kind of um, the the fake prophets, the ones that weren't authentically from God. Even the, the kind of obscure religious of the day, who he says they're like thieves, they're like robbers. They're like those that came in the wrong way. God didn't authenticate them. And therefore, they are not the ones that can give you life. If you follow them, you work, it's not life from God that you'll get. He says, I'm the one that's, that's entered by the gate. I've come in in the manner that God has sent me. And therefore, I am the one sent by God to give you this life that's being offered. And he, sort of, he, he proves that he is the one uniquely sent by God that we can put our focus on in order to receive the life that he's talking about. And then he gives us the why, verses uh, 7 to 10. Um, Why is he giving this abundant life? Uh, He says it's so that we might enter in and receive his salvation, that we might kind of be be taken into his story, just like I described to you, the kind of Palm Sunday cathedral experience of, of not just hearing the story, but beginning to enter into it becoming part of it he's saying that's what abundant life is to enter into the story of Jesus verse 9 he says this and it's so that you will go through and enter into pasture and so it's kind of a contrast of, of the big thing, the big decision the big experience and opportunity but also pasture if you've ever watched animals graze then it's, it's a slow continuous activity and, and so if we, our, our abundant life, our eternal life, it's also the kind of, the continually receiving from Jesus, maybe not in dramatic ways, but the, the continually pasturing and discovering what Jesus means, that through that we enter into the life that he's uh, giving to us. And Jesus says there are, there are thieves, there are life stealers, there are things that are in the world around us that can distract us or take us away from following Jesus, or or even rob from us the life that Jesus is giving. And then the last section that we read, verse 11 onwards, he describes how this life is given. He says, the life I'm giving is my life laid down, verse 11. Jesus has to lay his life down in order to provide us with this abundant life. Again, he goes back to the, the, the false apostles and false prophets. He says, the hirelings, they run away when when testing times come, when the wolves come. They're the ones that run away. But I'm, I'm the one that goes the distance. I'm the one that uh, actually gives my life, that the words that I've said are summed up in the end through my laying down of my life. And ultimately, it, be, it becomes this divine exchange between... The life of Jesus laid down, and the eternal life, the abundant life that we pick up as we receive it from Him. And as as the hero Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, it's as if he is um, drawing us into the story of what it will mean when he lays his life down. That the crowds that cheered Hosanna and celebrated his Coming into Jerusalem, as somebody once referred to it, as it was like the coronation of Jesus, his entry into Jerusalem. We're also the ones that were to experience his life as he laid it down. So how do we enter into this story? And I, th- I think there's two ways, and I don't want to make it any more complicated than I think it needs to be. I think there are big ways and small ways. And the big ways are characterising the things we've heard, so that you might believe. So that you might enter in, so that you might pass from uh, death into life, um, uh, so that you might choose to follow the good shepherd rather than the thief who takes away. So there's like big milestones in that journey, but as Josh described to us last week, sometimes the transformation comes from all the all the little tiny steps adding up, the daily decisions. Um, adding up to more and more the idea of going into pasture and just daily just just drip feeding on Jesus, just a little bit a little bit, a little bit and it it adds up and it adds up or the idea in John 4 where it says uh, my eternal life is like a fountain that starts and then doesn't stop, so eternal life, abundant life in knowing Jesus is like Jesus saying I can turn a tap on and now that tap can just flow and that, that water, that life-giving water will always be there for you to draw on and receive. So we're going to make this into a little practical thing. I was trying to think, how can I get you to enter in to Palm Sunday? and um, I looked into hiring donkeys and it turns out we haven't got enough budget for everyone to have a donkey. Um, and there's health and safety and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you've got the next best thing, which is on your table, you've got a little palm Sunday kit. Okay. Right now, some of you are loving it, some of you, not so much. Okay. Um, for those of you who love it, this is your, your moment has come. Uh, you've got a palm cross. I love my palm crosses. I get loads of them. I don't just get one, I get loads. I hide them all over, I put one in the car to remind me to love Jesus when I'm driving. There's one in my office. I've got... I've, I love my palm crosses, stock up on them every year. And then you've got some little bits of paper and some string. And what I thought we might do is we might make our own palm cross that represents the abundant life that we are receiving from Jesus. So on the cards, um, you have the opportunity to write something down and literally tie it to your cross that you will take away as your keepsake or your... Reminder, And you might want to hide it away so it's just for you. Or you might want to put it on display in your house somewhere. Whatever you want to do with it, that's fine. But that will be yours to take away. And I want you to write on there the things that you need or feel God is giving you. Or that you want to discover from Jesus that are to do with abundant life. Let me throw out a few ideas. It might be, it might be just, it might be health. Maybe you you need healing or something like that from God. Um, It might be a fruit of the Spirit. You might think think love or joy or peace or patience or gentleness or self-control. It might might be the character of God. You might want to name it and write it down and put it on the cross. Um, It might be from last week. It's something that came to mind when Josh talked to us about uh, daily denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus. Um, it might be something that maybe we focus on in this period of Lent that we're still in, where often we give up um, things because we recognise we we don't want things of this world to have a hold on us. We want to have our focus on Jesus. So maybe people give up, you know, a food that they feel like they can't live without, or even. And sometimes it's like a tiny thing, isn't it? But it's a symbol of our dependence and wanting to follow Jesus. It might be a promise. Like the many promises that we've just read out today, or another one that you can think of, um, that promises what Jesus does or gives um, to us. It might be an area of your life where you need to follow Jesus. It might be a big thing, it might be a small thing, it it might be something that only you um, understand.